Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is a Tuesday edition of the show and a very special Tuesday because we are live from Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. We just got done recently speaking to both Bucks general manager Jason Light and head coach Todd Bowles, and we have a lot to break down, including a couple of roster moves that are getting ready to be done and expected to be done. So a lot to get into. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me right next to me, actually, is Scott Reynolds of PewterReport.com. And Scott, we got to Indy, started up this early morning and uh, been rocking and rolling ever since. Yeah, Matt, uh, we saw uh, several coaches on the, the plane coming to Indianapolis this morning, flying southwest, and got to hear early, which was nice. There's no delays, no uh, ho- um holiday travel mishaps like uh, Southwest had. They got us there early. But uh, a lot of coaches on the plane, uh, as well as a lot of prospects. Julius yes. Brents from Kansas <laughs> State, uh, my alma mater, was there, a little, little Wildcat action. Yeah. So uh, it, that was fun, uh, but not as fun as hearing from Todd Bowles and Jason Light. Uh, plus, right before the press conferences, Peter Report broke some news, just as we did with the, the Byron Leftwich uh, firing. We also uh, broke the news that uh, the Bucks are going to release Donovan Smith. Now, that move has not happened yet. It will happen before March 15th. This mm-hmm. team has to get cap compliant. They're $55, $56 million over the salary cap right now. They can release uh, Donovan Smith and save close to $10 million if they do it as a post-one transaction. I could save them even more, but... Uh, Donovan Smith will be moving on. Uh, that's that's uh, some news that Peter Report broke. And uh, we'll get to the ramifications and how that yeah. may shuffle the offensive line. Um, after the press conference, we saw, and this is really no surprise, we can tell you right now who they're going to cut, but uh, Leonard Fournette, <laughs> uh, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network, uh, said that the team will release Leonard Fournette. Uh, both of these are cap-cutting moves, Matt, but at the same time, it's also performance-based, is it not? It absolutely is. I do feel a little bit bad for Donovan Smith because he played so well in 2020 and played maybe even better in 2021. So it's like the one time that there's a little bit of a slip-off, then he's out the door. But as you said, a lot more because of the the cap implications and what it means for Tampa Bay we all know the drill by now. The Bucks are in a world of hurt when it comes to the salary cap. Yeah, uh, fifty-five million and over, uh, more than thirty in that of that going to Tom Brady. So right. the Bucks are going to have to strip it down, really, any way they possibly can. And Donovan Smith is, uh, you know, one of the top ones, uh, saving just under ten million dollars. You're not going to find that really anywhere else on this roster too much. So it just. It makes a lot of sense. It's unfortunate for Donovan Smith. I do think he will end up somewhere else, though, and obviously will be very motivated. And uh, for Leonard Fournette, you know, Rick Strata just tweeted that um, Fournette had mentioned that he asked for a release. So this is kind of a mutual type of thing. You know, the Bucs wanted to save some money by releasing Leonard Fournette. It seems like Lenny wants a fresh start somewhere else, too. And we saw the writing on the wall. I'm not saying that. Is this a yeah. you can't fire me, I quit yes. type of uh, situation? Yes, I think that's what it is, Matt. I, I think it's a situation where Fournette saw the writing on the wall and he wanted to go out on his terms, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's asking the team for his release. The Bucks are going to say, oh, you beat us to the punch. Sure, we're happy to, to accommodate. 
but right now, this is this is Rashad White's uh, team in terms of of uh, being running back one. We'll see who this team drafts right now. Actually, had an interview with Rashad White yesterday, and I'll be posting some stories this week on PewterReport.com uh, with Rashad's comments. Some really good stuff coming, so stay tuned to PewterReport.com about Rashad White. But let's get back to Donovan Smith just for a second yeah. here, right? Uh, what this move does, the domino effect of this. It is is twofold. Now, number one, when it comes to Donovan Smith moving on, they're going to save some salary cap room. At the same time, who's going to replace him? Is it going to be Tristan Wirfs? It might be a situation where Tristan Wirfs gets a look at left tackle. Mm-hmm. He started three games in his last year at Iowa at left tackle, Matt, mostly at right tackle throughout his Hawkeyes career, obviously played you know, all of the games at right tackle in Tampa Bay, but he's got the athleticism to move to the left side. I know it's a scary proposition. Some Buccaneer fans might be saying, whoa, 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 look what happened to Luke Gedeke moving from right to left. I'll remind you, Ali Marpet started off at right guard, moved to center, then moved to left guard. Wherever Ali Marpet played, he had the athleticism and the ability to do it flawlessly. Mm-hmm. A matter of fact, the center position was probably not the best fit, but he had just as good a grades at left guard as he did right guard. So some people can handle that that transition uh, more easily. Now, it doesn't preclude the Buccaneers from drafting a left tackle to replace Donovan Smith. That could be an option. But right now, they at least have a backup plan, Matt, of, of moving Tristan Wirfs to left guard. That's one option. They're going to see if they can find a cheaper option at left tackle in free agency or in the draft. Remember, with Josh Wells' injury – their longtime swing tackle. He suffered that knee injury mm-hmm. against the Cardinals on Christmas. He's going to be out for probably most of this season. Yeah, he he's out of commission. I, I wouldn't expect really anything from Josh Wells when it comes to this season. And everything that you just laid out, Scott, I, I think it's important to point out that this is an option for the Bucs. It's not the perfect plan. This right. is a all right, we have this in place. This It's good to have options, as they say. And this right. is one of the roads or the routes that they can go through. Um, Tristan Wirfs, funny enough, and it was in a story that you had earlier today, ironically, it was when the Bucs were getting ready to play against the Saints in week two of the season. And Tristan was actually asked about Josh Wells being the swing tackle because you have to line up on both the left and right side of the offensive line. And, you know, how difficult is that? And Tristan because he you know, played a little bit uh, on both sides of the ball at Iowa, as you were just talking about. And he said, the technique is still the same. You know, the fundamentals are still there. And then as Tristan famously said, it's like wiping your behind with, uh, with your opposite hand. And then he said, as Josh Wells would say, it's like driving your car on the other side of the road, a yeah. little more uh, uh, PG type, type right. of response there. So I really think the biggest question for the Bucs in terms of just moving Tristan Wirfs over to left tackle we all know he's the rock at Gibraltar at right tackle. Right. And he's an A++. He's the highest grade you could possibly get at right. right tackle. If he moves to left tackle and understanding the fundamental is still there, will you still get an A++ Tristan Wirfs? And right. that's what the Tampa Bay has to decide right now right. when they look at everyone else in the draft. Is it, we love this left tackle. Let's just put him at left tackle. And we think he'll be obviously a cheaper option than Donovan Smith. Right. Um, but can still be functional or let's get the most out of Tristan. And then 
at right tackle. Uh, we'll, we'll find we'll find an option there. Obviously, Luke Gedeke is still on the board, but you know, Jason Light was asked about. Uh, it was asked about Gedeke. Was asked about Tristan Wirfs, and he said that you know nothing's set in stone yet. It's 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 an option, and I don't know the way Jason asked it. I don't know if he was trying not to give away anything with Donovan Smith or trying not to give away the plans, but. He said that Tristan is capable of it, but I don't know. It didn't sound like an out-of-the-park home run the way that Jason Light was discussing it. Yeah, and I think, too, Matt, what they have is time on their side, right? It, they, they have the ability to uh, to look at Tristan Wirfs in, in the OTAs and see in the minicamps how he handles that, that move. And they're going to draft a, a player that I think is probably going to be a left tackle. Jason Light likes to, to take left tackles, right? Um, if you look at some of the, of the the players that he has acquired, Tristan Wirfs played a couple of games at left tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donovan Smith was obviously a left tackle. Ali Marpet was a left tackle at Hobart College. You made Ryan Jensen the highest paid center in the league. He played left tackle at Northern Colorado. Alex Kappa was a left tackle, moved to right guard. So there's something about that left tackle position that Jason Light really likes. Now, interestingly enough, he's drafted a couple of, of right tackles. And Robert Hainsey, mm-hmm. who started off as as a right tackle at uh, Notre Dame and yep. stayed there, then went to the Senior Bowl and wound up moving inside, playing a little center, playing a little uh, guard, and and you know Hainsey is, is a, a player that that uh, has transitioned well to center. Luke Gedeke is a player that was a right tackle at Central Michigan for a pair of seasons and then moved to left guard. It didn't work out so well, but the one game where he really played well was the right tackle mm-hmm. for week 18 at uh, at Atlanta. So there is some thought to move Gedeke to the right tackle spot. If, if you're moving Tristan Wirfs to left tackle, Gedeke might be a much better player at right tackle than he is inside a guard. And you could take Robert Hainsey, who's either going to be the backup center on the bench, or you put him into the competition with Nick Leverett for the left guard position. So they've, they've got a couple of in-house solutions, Matt, or they might find some more solutions by drafting a guard. We've had Steve uh, uh, Avila from TCU in uh, and, and the Dave Canales draft, the ideal draft that I did. Andrew Voorhees from USC would be a great fit at left guard. He's played left guard and left tackle for the Trojans. So they've got some in-house options with Wurfs at left tackle, Gedeke at right tackle, Hainsey to left guard, or they might be able to find a couple of draft picks that can compete and maybe even be better than, than the Red House option. It's a little bit of musical chairs when it comes to the Bucks' offensive line, and specifically just with guys that can play multiple positions. And I think kind of what we're forgetting in all of this is that a huge factor into improving the running game for next season and pass blocking as well is Ryan Jensen is back. Right. He is their starting center, which allows the versatility of, of Robert Hainsey to really shine through. Will the Bucs decide, all right, Hainsey is a top-notch, a top-quality backup offensive center for Ryan Jensen, who's coming off a very serious injury. Do you want to have that, you know, ace in the hole, essentially, in case something happens to Jensen because he's coming off of a serious injury? Or do you throw Robert Hainsey um, into the mix with everyone else that we just talked about to start um, at, at the left guard position? It's um, it, It's very interesting. You have a couple of options there, and I mean, Jason Light said it himself. He's a firm believer of building in the trenches. He wants to build in the trenches year in and year out. He had a very funny line. Um, he was talking about the defensive line, but Jason said, if I had it my way, 
I draft at least five pass rushers and we'd have 15 picks. Yeah. And so, you know, he talked about that the team needed to improve in speed, but he firmly believes in filling out the offensive and defensive line. I think that's why you've seen the Bucks draft offensive linemen often in, in recent NFL drafts. And I don't think this year will be any different. Will be a, a first round pick? Not necessarily, but, I, you know, by the fourth round, fifth round, I think you may see another offensive lineman off the board and heading to Tampa Bay. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, this is going to be an interesting draft because the Bucks, the free free agency is really going to determine which way this is going to exactly. go. There's still so many holes. Jason Light talked about um, finding value at a lot of positions. And Todd Bowles mentioned several times, uh, we might have some guys come on some one-year prove-it deals. Mm -hmm. So the the type of, of player that Jason Light and Todd Bowles are looking for is really like a Shaq Barrett. It's finding that diamond in the rough that, that uh, hey, you know, this guy's kind of buried behind Vaughn Miller and, and Bradley Chubb in Denver. But, gosh, when he had those few snaps as a situational pass rusher, he really made things happen in Denver. What would he do with more playing time, right? So you mm -hmm. throw $4 million and boom. You get 19 and a half sacks. Um, <laughs> that doesn't happen all the time. Don't expect that to happen this year. That might have been the unicorn in Jason Light's free agency uh, you know, you know, plundering. It, but it, it happened before, and it can happen again. If we saw Geno Smith become a Pro Bowl quarterback of the NFC, or I should say the NFL Comeback Player of the Year, yeah. um, you know, don't rule anything out. It is so funny because, not to bring this back to Ryan Jensen, but when Jason was talking about Ryan Jensen, he said that he will go down as one of the best free agent signings in franchise history. And then he said, other than Tom, obviously, yeah. Tom Brady. But then I was thinking, I was like, damn, no love. I mean, obviously, this is probably off the top of his yeah. head. He didn't plan this. So I was like, hmm, like Shaq Barrett, I think, has to go down as one of the best no free doubt. agent signings in NFL history or Tampa Bay history for the Buccaneers with what he did that first year. So there will be a couple of diamond in the roughs. And remember when he talks about value, I immediately thought about just like the, the Logan Ryan signings and right. the Keanu Neal signings. I think Logan Ryan outside of getting injured was a, was a value signing for what they got right. him for and what he brought to the team. Todd Bowles obviously loves working with safeties. So um, we'll see if Logan Ryan's back. Uh, next year and also too matt you asked that question bowls said we'd like to have both of them back right it just depends yeah. on depends on the math and all of that but but um he certainly didn't close the door in either player and uh you know they might be getting a player this year too so we've got some news about antoine winfield that we want to get to as well we'll we'll talk about that uh in a second but you mentioned value matt mm -hmm. and when i when i'm you know when i hear the word value I, i'm thinking sometimes when i have a celsius it's, it's like the best money I've ever spent in my life. Why? Because I need energy, whether it's early in the morning to get up and do my pewter report stories for you pewter people, or um, if it's just to power my workout in the afternoon, uh, it doesn't get better than Celsius. Essential energy to help you function in life, it's, it's the way to go, folks. Celsius is the official energy drink of pewter, of pewter report. You look at the fantasy vibe, that's the brand new fla flavor, sparkling marshmallow and mandarin orange. The lemon lime is also uh, one of Matt's and I favorite yep. flavors. Make sure you're grabbing a Celsius. Uh, if you don't know where to get one, it's real simple. Go to Celsius.com and uh, click on those ads on pewterreport.com. They'll take you to Celsius also. Once you're there, click on the store locator and punch in your address and find out where the Celsius is near you. 
we need to do that here in Indianapolis. Yeah, we are tomorrow. we are not crazy familiar with this area besides coming to the NFL Combine. So we are going to punch yeah. in our address and go to our local bodega in Indianapolis bodega. and uh, and check it out. So no doubt, please try Celsius, the new flavors. Uh, you you will like it. You no will doubt. like it. Well, uh, let's continue on with what Todd Bowles and Jason Light had to say. Just so many things. We're just going to kind of spitball these yeah these topics out there. Um, one of the, of the topics was uh, was on Antoine Winfield, uh, and and it's really interesting what Todd Bowles had to say. And Bailey Adams working on a story on PewterReport.com about this. But um, Antoine Winfield, as you know, and Pewter Report actually broke the story during training camp last year mm-hmm. that Winfield wasn't just going to be a safety like he was during his rookie season, or you know in 2021. And last year we saw him move to the nickel spot and play that slot corner really kind of demoting Sean Murphy bunting in the process, but that's right. Winfield was a safety and base defense, but only in base defense about a third of the time, mm-hmm. most of the time, two thirds of the time he was playing in the slot. Now the only problem is Winfield only had one interception last year. If my memory serves. Yeah. And it came in the first week of the season against the Dallas Cowboys where Bailey Adams was live and in person. That's right. Um, for that game. So yeah, you look at, I don't want to call it an experiment, uh, but Antoine Winfield Jr. in the slot, I don't think overall it was, like, bad. You know, the, the Bucks' defense overall was still solid, not 2020 Super Bowl Bucks. Um, But I think we learned a couple of things. One, you know, Antoine Winfield Jr., obviously safety is a smaller position unless you're, like, Cam Chancellor from back in the day. Right. Um, so playing up closer at the line of scrimmage, uh, he got banged around a lot more because yes. you're dealing with more offensive linemen and fullbacks and pullers and stuff like that. And that's not to say Antoine Winfield Jr. couldn't do the job. Um, I just think, you know, watching the tape and Todd Bowles analyzing everything, uh, I asked him about where Antoine Winfield Jr. could really get better because he is one of the most talented players on yeah. the team. And Todd Bowles said himself that Antoine Winfield Jr. is a top three player on this defense. Um, he changed his answer with a couple of the other players who's one and two. But he really said the next step for Antoine Winfield Jr., one of them is a leadership. And he talked about with obviously with Tom leading, there's a little bit of a void with leadership. Right. There's still a lot of leaders on this team. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, you, you can go uh, a number of names. But he said and Vita stepped up last year. But he said Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield Jr., who are both in the same draft class, yeah. they have to step up <clears throat> as leaders. Excuse me. Yeah. But in terms of playing and being a playmaker – Bull said that he would rather, he would like to see Antoine Winfield Jr. kind of stay in one position and specifically that free safety spot where right. he really excelled, you know, that 2020 season uh, when him and Tristan Wirfs came into the league and 2021 as well when he became a Pro Bowl player. So you're going to see a lot more Antoine Winfield Jr., just that free safety. That doesn't yeah. mean he's not going to blitz at the line of scrimmage here and there, but I think he's going to stay healthier because of it because he's right. going to be further back more. And I think you're going to see a couple more of those turnovers that a lot of Bucks fans and media were asking for this season, and Todd Bowles addressed that as well. They need more turnovers. You keep Anton Winfield Jr. back there, it's better for the Bucks defense. I agree, Matt. And what, what comes to mind immediately is that that – Play where he basically lost Michael Pittman Jr. Yes, right, right here in Indianapolis. Right here in Indianapolis, <laughs> right across the street at Lucas Oil Field from where we're staying. And, and that's the type of center fielder play that I think was missing last year with the Buccaneers defense. And Winfield has the ball skills. I think Todd Bowles wants him to find ball, get ball mm-hmm. more often, playing safety rather than just being locked up on whoever the slot receiver is. So I think it's a smart move for, for, for Bowles to recognize that. I'm telling you right now, if if Todd Bowles, uh, you know, if he has a chance 
to draft Alabama's Brian Branch, that safety who I saw basically destroy my Kansas State Wildcats <laughs> in the Sugar Bowl. He was a one-man gang. You know, Matt, it's rare that a safety can take over a game. You usually think an edge rusher mm -hmm. or a linebacker, right, is the type of guy that can just take over a game and, and on defense and win it. No, it was Branch, who is, you know, an All-American caliber uh, player and going to be a, probably a top 15 or 20 draft pick. Well, he would look great in, in red and pewter, but against Kansas State, he had 12 tackles, 11 solos, one interception and one sack. And he was just a one man gang. He's the type of player that actually has played in the slot and thrived, whereas it was a newer position for Winfield. So, and, and, and the thing is, I've even said in some of my writings, Brian Branch is basically a clone of Antoine Winfield. If you have two <laughs> Antoine Winfields, that's a hell of a defense. That's a one two punch for your defense. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we want to have you guys subscribe to our Pewter Report TV channel. It's growing thanks to you Pewter people. We love you. And hit the like button on our videos. Uh, I want that. Matt we wants that. Yeah, we would love Todd for it Bowles to happen. Todd Bowles wants that. Todd Bowles, look at, look, first of all, Todd Bowles came in in a great mood. He's wearing the Bucko Bruce, yep. the old school creamsicle Buccaneers logo. He's very happy um, out there. With was in a pretty good mood. And yep. I think Todd would be happier too if uh, – you subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to have a so. lot of content up from the combine from today, from the rest of the week. We literally like just got home and sat, set up and uh, started doing the podcast pretty much. Yep. So um, stay on the lookout for a lot of content um, on Peter reports, YouTube really excited for what we're going to come up with. And so that and was one of the biggest changes with safety, but Scott sounds like you want to say Well, something. I was going to say here. So we, we got a couple of super chats we're going to yes. jump to do because when you when you pay us money, we answer your questions. That's you cut the works. line. VIP. Yeah. Mark Fisher always donates to the site. Uh, so outside of wide receiver, the Bucks set or okay at any position? Well, I wouldn't even say a wide receiver there. I wouldn't even uh, say a wide receiver. Said. Yeah, because Hunter? Yeah. <laughs> Julio Jones is going to uh, be gone. Uh, Scotty Miller and Brashad Perriman, I, I think it's safe to say they're probably going to be looking for some new wide receivers. This is not a terribly deep or great draft at the mm -hmm. receiver position. But right now, they've got Mike Evans. They've got uh, Chris, Godwin. Chris Godwin. They have Russell Gage. So let's talk about Russell Gage a little bit here, okay? The thing with Russell Gage is this. And Jason Light was asked about him today. I actually asked the question. You did. did you get your bang for your buck when you paid Russell uh, Gage I might have said, did I say Russell Wilson? I don't know. No, I think he said Russell, Russell Gage. Gage. Okay, Russell Gage. Uh, did, you, did you get your bang for your buck when you paid Russell Gage $10 million a year on a three-year, uh, $30 million deal? And he said no because he was hurt. He's really never been hurt before. If you remember the hamstring injury, Matt, you and I were there. Yep. It happened right when the Dolphins came to town. He battled that pretty much all year. was never the same player. He did kind of factor into the red zone he ended up with five touchdowns on the year one of those was on a kind of a fluky deflected uh catch yeah. against the seahawks but it still counts um so the thing with russell gage is he stepped up at the end here's what i think is going to happen mike greenberg the bucks capologist is a cut as you go kind of guy he's not going to just you know cut a bunch of players and do a bunch of, of restructures and just clear a massive amount of cap room now the Bucks do have to cut or restructure a, enough cap room to get down to become cap compliant, yes. to whittle down from $56 million over to at least zero. But then what you're going to see is as the Buccaneers need to make moves, need to make signings, you're, that's when you're going to see 
Greenberg, do an extension, do mm -hmm. a restructure, maybe make another cut and to free up money. So th that's how Greenberg likes to operate. What I think is going to happen with Russell Gage is he's going to stay on the roster through the draft and they're going to have him in the OTAs. I think Dave Canales is going to get a look and see if Russell Gage is, is a, a player that he can really work with, if he's excited about once he sees him in action. And, and also there's a new receivers coach, right? Brad Idzik. So mm -hmm. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they want to take a look at, at, uh, at Russell Gage before they cut him with this new offensive staff. Now, you're only going to save a little over $2 million. Right. So is that worth it? Well, you might need some of that $2 million to sign your rookies over the summer after you draft them. Now, if the Buccaneers come away drafting a wide receiver in the first round, maybe Zay Flowers from Boston College mm -hmm. or Quentin Johnson from TCU, then you want that person to be your number three, and maybe you cut Gage at that time after you have secured his replacement. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think Russell Gage, if he – if he's on the roster after the draft, we'll see who they end up drafting. It, Matt, this team might have so many needs at other positions. They they might ignore the receiver position exactly. this year and say, you know what? We're going to roll with Russ as our three and Devin Tompkins as our four. Maybe Kalen Geiger as number five. And then they'll have a couple of undrafted free agents, maybe a day three guy. But I, I, I'm not going to say Russell Gage is going to be on this team this year, but he might be on this team through the OTs in the summer. Exactly. I think Russell Gage has two saving graces right now. One of them being the Bucs have so many holes that they have to get to, whether that's cornerback, edge rusher, another running back now with Leonard Fournette not there. We, we know the drill. The other is actually that man that's on the screen right now, Dave Canales, in his initial inaugural press conference with Bucks Media, very much went out of his way to mention Russell Gage at least twice. And it seemed like he really liked what they have in Russell Gage. And again, the hamstring was a big part of it. Um, came on later in the season, sometimes garbage time type of situations. But if a coach is going out of his way to already talk about you when he just got to the area, that's usually a pretty good sign. I think that was important for really anyone that they signed for offensive coordinator. What personnel does he like? What personnel do they don't like? Who can they work with? And it seems like Russell Gage, who, again, was one of those guys that he could be cut. He could be, uh, you know, a candidate for a salary cap restructure. Uh, restructure. Jason Light wouldn't, you know, open up about who they're talking to in terms of um, that situation. But, you know, Russell Gage is definitely, it won't be the last we hear about Russell Gage this offseason. Yeah. Teddy with the $5 super chat. We appreciate the super chats. It's going to help buy us dinner tonight. Yeah. You know, thank you, Teddy. In, um, in, in Indianapolis. So that that's awesome. Uh, who is your candidate for surprise players that might get cut purely for cap slash getting younger reasons, non-obvious picks not being mentioned? Uh, Shaq Barrett? No, I don't think that they can cut Shaq Barrett. And I'll tell you why. Because right now he can't pass a physical. So mm -hmm. you, you really can't cut a player – um, without doing some type of a, of a settlement, Injury settlement, right? Yeah. And Shaq Barrett is going to say, well, I'm scheduled to make $18 million and you're going to have to owe me all of that. Uh, he, he will take the Buccaneers to, to, uh, to court, if you will, over that. So I don't think Shaq Barrett, uh, Matt, we can go over the obvious ones. We've already talked about Donovan Smith. We broke that story. Mm -hmm. uh, Tom Pelissero, we, we got that confirmed. Leonard Fournette is certainly going to be released as well. 
Uh, Cam Brate, I think, is a no-brainer. Yeah. This team is going to go younger at the tight end position. This is a tight end heavy draft. We actually, actually, I was talking to tight ends coach John Van Dam at the airport today. He loves this tight end class. There's a lot of good prospects on on day one, two, and three, and and they they are still very high on Kate. Exactly the fact that they have Kate on there, they already have a guy that's a borderline tight end one. You know, he could progress to that role, and then yeah, you bring in another tight end, and Coke Keith plays like the fullback role. Obviously, Ryan Suckup, their kicker, is another uh, salary cap casualty, a candidate for that. I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do that. I. I I know that's around three million dollars, but I just have a feeling. Maybe yeah, I, I mean, say hey, if you if you have a hunch, you ha- you have a hunch. Um, but as far as surprise players, I, I think the, the reason why it's so difficult to answer this is because there's so many players coming off the books as it is with Jamel. D. Like, look at the defensive line outside of Vita Bay and Logan Hall. It's like Will Golson's a free agent. Akeem Hicks, uh, Akeem Hicks, Nacho is a free agent. Will so you Golston, can't, yeah, Pat O'Connor. Yeah, so like you can't cut any of these guys, right? You know, um, same with the offensive line. Like Ryan Jensen, they're clearly not cutting. Right. We already addressed Donovan Smith. Shaq Mason, I, I guess. But, yeah. you know, then you're just in a just as tough of a situation. Yeah. So yeah. I, not too many surprises, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Matt. I think the surprises are going to come with maybe who's not going to return. Yeah. Right? I think that that's probably where you're going to see more more surprises. I, I, don't, I don't see how this team can keep Jamel Dean. I just don't. Mm-hmm. He he's going to get at least twelve million dollars. Some would say he's better than Carlton Davis, and Davis is making what over fourteen. Mm-hmm. So I I just don't see this team having the cap room now. Uh, I would say Sean Murphy Bunting has a better chance of returning. It might be a very light market for Sean Murphy Bunting, who might return on on that one year kind of prove it deal. Yeah, that, that we saw this team give Leonard Fournette for a couple of years, mm-hmm. right? And we, we saw attract the likes of Keanu Neal and, and Logan Ryan. So you might see Sean Murphy Bunting, who's familiar with this system, has played well at times, probably paid, played better in the second half of the year than Jamel Dean did because Dean was injured. But, uh, you know, Murphy Bunting was, was injured at the beginning of the year. That's when Jamel Dean was playing well. So I think the surprise might be you might see Sean Murphy Bunting back, even though he's a lesser player, in Tampa, then you might see Jamel. No, that's a, that's a good answer. I think when the dust settles and all that's clear, you'll see Sean Murphy bunting on one side, the Bucks on the other side with both of them going, Hey, you need me as much as I need you because the Bucks do need to fill out their roster. And if they're going to go for guys on the cheap, especially if they're going to be like a backup, why not get a guy that's already been in your system and has made splash plays at yeah. time, not as much as of late, but, you know, did have his time in the sun with yeah. with the Bucks uh, with the Bucks defense for sure. So that could be the case there. We got a two dollars super chat from Bucks Basement. Thank you very much, Bucks Basement. They say Devin White will be exposed without Levante. I, you just said it. You know, this player needs that player, mm-hmm. and boy, we've seen Devin White without Levante David. Now, Todd Bowles was very uh, praiseworthy about Devin White today. You could say that again. He said Devin White has made tackles that he hasn't seen in 30 years in the NFL. And think how much the NFL has changed in 30 years, strictly from a tackling standpoint. Um, So, And he he acknowledged, he understands that Devin White gets a lot of heat from, uh, you know, a lot of, from a lot of players out there. Here's actually the exact quote. He says, uh, Devin takes some heat, Sorry, Devin takes some of the heat 
for some of the things, missed tackles, but he makes tackles that I haven't seen linebackers make in 30 years. He can make plays for us. He's still one of our best two players on defense. I have a lot of faith in him. His growth mentally, understanding the system, it's not an easy system, has been outstanding. I think the world of the guy, I think he's a heck of a ball player. I think this will probably be one of his better seasons. So, uh, yeah, Todd Bowles, outside of Vance Winfield Jr., Devin White was the guy that he was most upbeat um, out of really anybody that was brought up in discussion on offense and defense for the Bucs. And then Levante David, um, Devin White, uh, sorry, Todd Bowles spoke about him. Jason Light also spoke about him as well, saying that, you know, he's one of the greatest linebackers of all time. Um, he's forever a Buccaneer. But he didn't close the door on Levante David either. So it feels right. like with Levante, you know, an offer is going to be put out to Levante, not necessarily a take it or leave it type of thing. But here's what we can give you, understanding the salary cap situation. If you want that, great, come back. If you find something else for more money and maybe a better team at the moment, hats off to you. We'll see you at the Ring of Honor ceremony. That's kind of where it feels like the Bucs are at with yeah. Levante. John B. Bowles can't quit SMB or Devin White. He might as well adopt them. So, <laughs> uh, Bowles, Todd Bowles is delusional. Listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. And, you know, I have all the respect in the world for Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator and and as, as a, a head coach feeling his way through replacing Bruce Arians and having to go through a lot last year with Byron Leftwich as his offensive coordinator. Um, Devin White's his blind spot. Yep. Right? Just like Byron Leftwich was Bruce Arians' blind spot. And I've had multiple people tell me that that just about midway through the season last year, that the only ally that Byron Leftwich had in the building, had in the building, was, was Bruce Arians. Okay? I mean, that, that says a lot. And, and that's why, you know, I'm going to, in full disclosure, tell you, that's why I was hearing these things is why I wrote, Byron Leftwich should be fired. We were the only media outlet that called for Byron Leftwich mm -hmm. to be fired. I've called for three coaches in my 28 years of doing this to be fired. Three. And Byron Leftwich was one of them. So that, that to me, I, I saw this coming. That's why we broke the story minutes after the Dallas Cowboys game. In our mind, based on our reporting, it was a foregone conclusion that Byron Leftwich was going to be fired. That was Bruce's blind spot. Devin White can do no wrong in Todd Bowles' <laughs> eyes. You know, and I see things. I'm going to pull a Byron here. I see things that you don't see, right? Um, I see Devin White sometimes the efforts lacking. I see Devin White uh, struggles to get off blocks. Mm -hmm. I see Devin White getting blocked downfield 20 yards sometimes, not 20, maybe 12. Uh, I see uh, Devin White um, missing tackles, not not fitting the run as he should. I also see Devin White's ability, his talent. Uh, when he's on, he is on. and He's it, an exciting player he when is. he's out there dominating because he's so fast, because he's, you know, he's an energizer bunny on this team. That's yeah. why he's a team captain. Became a team captain at such a young age in this league, too. You know, he'd only been in the league for a couple of years. And then, you know, Devin obviously elevated to this role. For me, the biggest concern, as you talk about, is just – not being able to get off of blocks. I mean, yeah. that's like your number one job as a linebacker. And yeah. the Bucs have made their fame in years past on stopping the run. And if you're not getting off your blocks, it's one thing if you're blitzing up the middle and it's one-on-one, -on -one, right. the running back gets the better of you or the quarterback gets rid of the ball quicker, that's going to happen. But if you consistently get blocked 20 yards down the field, and obviously the Ravens game was 
a bigger exposure to it. Like it's not, right. it's not always that bad. It was just really bad. And it was on, uh, you know, it, it was on national TV. That's for me, the biggest area where Devin white really needs to improve. Cause he's still got the speed. He still has leadership. He can yeah. make tackles, but you know, the lack of turnovers that he really created the last year and just not, being Johnny on the spot yeah. really did him in and he's got a whole season to prove it. He's got to be a splashy player, right? He's, he's going to get, I'm telling you, Matt, he's going to get $20 million a year from somebody, whether it's Tampa or whether it's somebody else. He is, he's got that highlight reel. Teddy asks, is Arians blind spot, or I'm sorry, is Arians lights blind spot? Laugh out loud. Um, No, I, I'm not going to say that, you know, you know what, what Jason Light's blind spot is? What's that? Running backs. <laughs> okay. They have been before, but maybe he's hit one and, with Rashad White. Yeah, I hope that that he's hit one with Rashad White. And the reason why I say that is because you go back to his first draft, Charles Sims mm. was his first running back drafted in the third round out of, out of West Virginia. Uh, was was not a, a, a good player. It was basically just a complimentary third down back. Um, you know, uh, Jeremy McNichols was was a, a, a draft pick. Um you know, he signed Doug Martin to uh, a really bad deal. Mm-hmm. He, he kind of had to, right? Because Dirk Cutter was becoming from moving from a uh, offensive coordinator to the head coach. He wanted to help Jameis. He, he Doug Martin was coming off a 1400 yard season where he was a pro bowler, but man, there were signs that trouble was brewing with Doug Martin mm-hmm. and he gave an awful lot of money. Uh, so it, you look at, at, you know, Rojo, uh, you, you know, Awful rookie season. Can't catch. You know, can't <laughs> catch the ball. Did have, you know, some good games in 2020 to help this team. Uh, Leonard Fournette was was a great addition for what you paid him, but then he overpaid him last year. So Jason Light's blind spot is the running back position. And I want to point this out because right now this team has Rashad White. Uh, technically, Fournette's still under contract, but not for long. Mm-hmm. But Rashad White and Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn's another guy, too, that third-round pick hasn't shown anything that he can be a starting-caliber player, maybe a backup at best. But the thing with, with White is he's going to get a chance to be the number one guy. Can he be a 1,000-yard back? Can he be a 1,300-yard back? Or is he destined to be an 800-yard back, right? There's there's different levels. But Jason Light's going to have to find another running back this year to put in the mix because Keyshawn Vaughn is in a contract year. And if you're going to run the ball more, you got to have the horses to do it. Man. Yeah. And, and that's where it'll be very interesting. Do the bucks go with, uh, you know, a track track star speedster, obviously Rashad white, isn't like a bruising type of running back by any means, but uh, you know, he's quick, but there still is much quicker out there. Or do they go with like a more physical ground and pound type of guy, grind out the yards that Dave Canales had, had kind of mentioned in his opening press conference? Or do they go with another guy that's maybe even better in the passing game than potentially Rashad White is? And yep. Rashad White's obviously solid there. But, uh, you know, not all running backs are the same, obviously. You can say that about a lot of other uh, positions in the NFL. But who this sec- next running back is, if we're all assuming that, you know, Keyshawn Bond's going to be the third string running back, um, I'm not going to say it's going to make or break the Bucks' offense, but you can add another dynamic to yeah. this Bucks' offense, or you just kind of keep it the same. But it's in the hands of the Bucks. I, I really listen. We all like Bijan Robinson. Obviously, um, he's the top running back on the board. Yeah, 
I'm very strongly against drafting a running back in the first round when you could find Isaiah Pacheco out there yeah. as well in the seventh round. So we'll and, see. And, and I, I tell you, I don't think Bijan Robinson is going to be there at 19. Wow. I, I think Robinson, it, he's, I think he's a generational back. I think he's a, a Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey type that when healthy can be a pro bowl caliber superstar stud running back for you. So I don't think he's going to be there at 19. I think that he'll be drafted uh, maybe in the top 15, closer to 14, mm -hmm. 15, 16. But I, I'm not sure he's going to be an option for Tampa Bay, uh, if that. But one of the guys I liked when I was doing my uh, ideal mock draft for Dave Canales, who I picked all offensive players to give Canales. I did the same thing for Todd Bowles with all defensive players. A fun little exercise. But um, Mohamed Ibrahim from Minnesota is just mm. a angry runner, a tackle-breaking machine. Uh, Dwayne McBride from UAB, UAB yeah. is, is another player that, that is really exciting. He um, excites me too. I was doing some yeah, uh, some so work on him. Th this is a really good running back draft, Matt. There, it's deep. It, it doesn't have the superstars outside of Robinson. Sure, but there's a lot of good backs. We know you know our love for Ty J Spears. Keaton Mitchell from East Carolina is another blazer, and and reminds me a lot of another East Carolina stud, Chris Johnson back in the day. Uh, so. But the thing is, for Light, he's got to get the right one. He's got to find yeah. the right running back, and that's been a trouble area for him, you know? Yeah, it really has. Uh, we'll see what Kyle Trask can do this year. Why don't you get into Kyle Trask uh, in a little bit as well? Uh, running back, obviously, a very important position. I, I hate how it's gone for running backs where they never get the big second contract. It's just the way the NFL is now. Um, but before we talk about Kyle Trask and – what else is going on with the Bucks? Let's hear a message from our friends at Age Rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to Age Rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with Age Rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call Age Rejuvenation today. AgeRejuvenation.com. You know, Kyle Trask does not need Age Rejuvenation. Not he's yet. young. He's going to get a shot at starting. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But, but, John Gilmore needed Age Rejuvenation. Why? Because he's 43. I'm 50. I'm going to be 51. And, man, I, I should have done Age Rejuvenation years ago, Matt. And you're you're a young buck. Uh, you're you're going to... You're going to be 40 one day, and you're going to start feeling tired, and your brain's going to get a little foggy, and you're not going to be able to hit it like you could in the gym. That's it's natural because testosterone levels in men start dropping sometimes in their 30s, but certainly in their 40s, 50s, 60s. It's, it's just a natural function of getting older, but there's a way to fight that. That's with age rejuvenation. Go to agerejuvenation.com. Sign up for their free complimentary no-risk consultation get your testosterone levels checked they do the blood work your insurance will pay for it and age rejuvenation's got five tampa bay area locations to serve you that's the best part age rejuvenation look younger feel better feel younger i should have done it a long time ago kyle trask is, is years away from age rejuvenation. he's got time yeah but, but how much time does he have to prove himself matt this is the one guy that that got a lot of pub when when we're talking to Todd Bowles and Jason Light today. Yeah, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Kyle Trask. I know we've been discussing him a lot on the Peter Report podcast, and 
in various articles, but this was the first time we really got to hear from Jason Light and Todd Bowles about their belief in, in Kyle Trask. We all know they're going to bring in more quarterbacks. You can't have just one quarterback on, uh, on the roster. So um, we actually have a video we'll play in just a moment. Uh, Bowles and Light both talking about Kyle Trask and the overall quarterback situation. I think it's important that that Jason Light mentioned uh, it's not in the video, but um, you know the type of quarterbacks they're going to be going after. They're not in the David Carr uh, sweepstakes because he's going to be too much money. Um, everything they have to do this offseason is going to be calculated. So Kyle Trask will have his opportunities. It doesn't mean he's going to get the the, the starting position, but. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens yeah. when uh, OTAs get there. They're going to bring in a, a value veteran. I think that's that's kind of what they're looking for. They're looking for a guy that's going to come cheap. And I'm telling you right now, and I'm going to read you a quote from from Todd Bowles. Uh, and and I, is, is, does he talk about what he's looking for in a quarterback? Is that what the clip is, Matt? Or is yes. It a uh, it's him specifically talking about Kyle Trask, what he's seen okay. in Kyle Trask. All right. Let's play this, and then I'm going to tell you what – what also Kyle or what uh, Todd Bowles had to say about the quarterback position in general, what he's looking for in a quarterback. And Bowles also answers um, if this would preclude the Bucks from drafting a quarterback in an early round. So let's hear from the GM and head coach. Oh, that is a picture. Let's now hear from the GM there. and, and the head coach. Uh, your quarterback situation. You have one on the roster. It's not going to end up that way. But your thoughts on at least Kyle Trask as it stands right now? Well, we planning on Tom not being here forever so we've been planning this for a while that retirement so um, we have a lot of uh, faith in Kyle um, a lot of us are very excited about seeing him get an opportunity to start you know even get out there off season and training camp with the ones um, preseason games which he's never done um, he's capitalized on these opportunities in the past in Florida had a really good senior year um, so we took him in the second round for a reason. We didn't take him in the second round to to be a third-string quarterback. We took him in the second round to eventually at some point start. So I know he's the only one on the roster right now. We will be adding some other quarterbacks for sure. Um, but we're very excited about his his future. We knew that this was coming. This was part of the plan going back to 2020 um, when we signed Tom, that at some point we're going to have to you know pay our bills. Um, but we want to make sure that we're – we're drafting well along the way and having some pieces on the roster along the way that we can still compete, um, which we definitely feel we can this year. And we just don't want to do anything that's going to interrupt our long-term vision, which is also winning the Super Bowl. I mean, if it happens this year, it's great, but but we're we're building for the, restocking for the future as well. Is there a- I didn't say he could be number one yet. I just said he can compete. I said he can compete. I, I see the work ethic. I see the toughness. I see the willingness to get better every day. It's, it's hard to get reps when you have a guy like Tom Brady in front of you that's playing all the time. So he would have an opportunity to compete to become number one if he can become number one. And that's all you can ask for in this league. You don't give anybody anything. So we'll bring in some competition, obviously. But at the same time, I like his work ethic. I like his determination. He's one of those guys when the cameras are off, he's working you know and, and that's what you can appreciate about him and that's the best i can tell you he's the full clear picture well it's hard to evaluate him right now because of tom and playing and because of the veterans we had on the team so he's kind of 
lost in the sauce back there, you know, with Blaine being a, a season number two guy right now without having enough reps to take it over from him. You get a chance to see him a little more now and having him sit and watch for two years, you get to see what he can and what he can't do. And having a new offensive coordinator, everybody's going to be new coming in learning. So he'll start out with an even slate and we'll see where it goes. What you like about? All right. That's, that's what the GM and the head coach had to say about Kyle Trask, right? The interesting thing that caught our attention, Matt, was while Jason, now keep in mind, this is his second round pick, right? This mm -hmm. is, you know, hey, we want to see this guy and his opportunity is, is now. And Jason Light doesn't want to waste that second round pick. But Todd Bowles like, ho, 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 hold on now. We're not going to anoint the guy. We're going to bring in some competition. Yeah, he was very calm, cool, and collective for like 95% of uh, both of his press conferences because he spoke individually with Tampa media and then, you know, open to everybody uh, nationally. And the only thing Todd got a little bit snippy about was being was someone that kind of like said that Kyle Trask the starter. And he's like, no, no, he's going to be given opportunities to be the starter. But uh, yeah, we're a long way from yeah. fully knowing who's going to be under center for the Bucks for uh, week one of the regular season. But it's not going to be Tom Brady. That's one thing that both Todd Bowles and Jason Light said. Uh, I think Jason said, well, last year I said I'd leave the light on for him. Now maybe it's a desk lamp yeah. or a flashlight. <laughs> uh, but uh, but when asked, both Jason and Todd believe that, that this is it. Tom Brady is is done playing football, that he's at peace with his decision, he's happy, and and that they're moving on. The Buccaneers are moving on. And, uh, and right now, Kyle Trask, the only quarterback. Uh, we did have an interesting uh, comment here about Kyle Trask when it comes to the picture I just put up, and I'll put that up again here. That is Kyle Trask, and that is Devin Tompkins. <laughs> um, if you think that Kyle Trask is a, is a giant, you're kind of right. He's six foot five. He's a big guy. And this is a picture of Tom Brady, who's also six five, and has mm -hmm. a little bit of, of uh, difference there, I think. Kyle Trask is, is probably a step or two ahead, so there's a little bit of a difference there. But Kyle Trask, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and uh, Devin Tompkins, uh, every bit of 5'7". He's, he's a little guy. <laughs> Kyle Trask looks gargantuan in this picture. Yeah, And, yeah, I don't know. It's probably a little more telling about Devin Tompkins. But, hey, Devin Tompkins, top uh, top kick returner for the Bucs. But, yeah, it is, a, it is a very funny picture. I remember – uh, we put this graphic up the other day. Maybe it was even yesterday's show. Uh, yeah. we, we've done a lot in the past 24 hours. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the, the size difference is, is very apparent. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so uh, this is what Todd Bowles has to say. And, and uh, again, um, I'm not always right. I don't claim to be. I'll never be, you know, batting a, a thousand. Um, but I've uh, been doing this job enough. I think my my – you know, we always call uh, our Peter Report staff, uh, we're looking for for superheroes, the X-Men, the Avengers. We all have our different um, strengths that we bring to the to the team. You know, my intuition, my inf information procurement, probably my strength. I, again, it could be wrong. I, I'm not trying to rain on anyone's parade. But Jacoby Brissett might be the guy. I think that, that he is the guy that is going to uh, – take over for Tom Brady and provide some competition for Kyle Trask because he's going to come cheap. He's going to want out of Cleveland because that's mm -hmm. now the Deshaun Watson show. And this was the quote that Todd Bowles said and what he's looking for in a quarterback in general, right? This could be a free agent. This could be uh, a player that they've already drafted like Kyle Trask. This could be 
uh, a rookie they might draft this year. So this is what Todd Bowles had to say, and I quote, obviously intelligence number one, Jacoby Brissett is a smart guy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Bowles continue, and, and I, I'm, I'm talking about Brissett, not Bowles, but I'm just telling you, uh, Jacoby Brissett is a very smart quarterback. Uh, Bowles con continues, you don't want to lose the game, so you've got to be smart, which everybody else wants. Intelligence, arm strength, and how well you know your system and how well you can manage the game and get rid of the game, which means put the game away, mm. finish the game. You, you got the lead and you're going to salt away the win or you got to come back and, and win it. No when to take shots. You've got to have a lot of heart. Obviously, there's a time in the game where you're going to have to make some plays. You're not just going to be immune to everything. You have to try to make sure the guy is intelligent and understands what's happening around him. And I'm just telling you, and I've seen this happen before. Um, I remember I was actually at the game, Matt. This is long before Jason Light and uh, and Todd Bowles were, were leading this team. But Lonnie Martz, back in 1993, my first Buccaneer game, I flew down from, from Kansas City. It was Joe Montana's first game with the Chiefs. Marcus mm -hmm. Allen was his first game as a running back in Kansas City, moving from the Raiders. They beat the Steve DeBerg-led Buccaneers because DeBerg was the Chiefs quarterback. And and once they got Montana, they let DeBerg go. Then DeBerg came back to Oh, Tampa. wow. That's a lot of drama for, it, it uh, is. for a game. The, the Chiefs won that game 35-3. to It was the beginning of, of an awful season for the Buccaneers in 1993. Sam Weiss was the head coach that was year number two, I believe, in the Sam Weiss era. And Lonnie Martz, outside linebacker for the Chiefs, had like two sacks and like eight tackles in the game. Mm. And that game made a huge impression on Sam Weiss. And next year in free agency, guess who the Buccaneers signed as a linebacker? Lonnie Martz. Why? Because he did that to him. Well, Jacoby Brissett threw a rifle of a pass. Devin White was actually good in coverage, but David Njoku made a fantastic leaping catch yeah. on fourth down to tie the game, send it in overtime where the Cleveland Browns beat Todd Bowles in the Buccaneers. So I'm just saying, I'm not saying Jacoby Brissett will be the quarterback, but if I had to guess right now which veteran they're going to sign, which value quarterback, Jacoby Brissett fits a lot of what Todd Bowles just said he's looking for in a quarterback. That's actually really interesting what you brought up because that reminds me of, um, and granted Bruce Arians was the head coach, but a lot of the Bucks coaches went to that Outback Bowl game when Tyler Johnson That's right. went off for, uh, for Minnesota and had uh, I, I don't remember the the exact stats, but it was over a hundred yards and multiple touchdowns. Yeah. He was the player of the game, and then the Bucks ended up drafting him because he he uh, played so well. So you might run into that situation with Brissett. For me, again, it really just comes down to the Bucks have no money. Right. <laughs> they can't they can't go after the Derek Cars, the Aaron Rodgers. There's just no money, and they have to allocate it in so many different areas. And so if Brissett is the guy that comes aboard, I, I, I've expressed my concerns about being too bubble wrap game manager-esque. Yeah. But, again, you don't have too many other options you can turn to. It's Kyle Trask and a lot of cheap veteran options, unless you want to go with the rookie yeah. as well. So, and it percent, could be, it's percent. It could be a situation, too, Matt, in 2009 where Byron Leftwich started the season. Things didn't go swimmingly well, right? As he was a journeyman quarterback at that mm -hmm. time. That started off in Jacksonville, then went to the Steelers, then the Buccaneers, right? And then they turned the reins over to Josh Freeman, who was their, yep. their rookie, their draft pick. So it might be a situation where Jacoby Brissett is the placeholder until Kyle Trask kind of 
gets more acclimated to the system, or maybe Trask just comes in, lights out, and, and wins the job. But we'll see. But I just wouldn't be surprised based upon what Todd Bowles said today. What he's looking for in a quarterback, Jacoby Brissett fits the bill, checks a lot of those boxes. We'll have to see. Yeah, he really does. And I mean, it wouldn't be a good case if the, the veteran starts and he struggles and then you're going to going to Kyle Trask because that means your team's losing and then Todd Bowles might not be rocking that beautiful Bucko Bruce next season. The one thing that Trask does has got, have going for him and really any quarterback that comes in, everyone's on the same page because it's a new offense and no one's really worked with Dave Canales before unless Drew Locke comes, uh, comes to Tampa Bay. Um, so it, it's going to be a new learning process for everybody, not just the quarterbacks, but even Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and a lot of these other players out there. So at least for Trask, obviously running a new offense will be difficult, but you know, he's learning the same offense that the veteran coming in and the other veteran, or maybe a rookie, whoever, Ryan Griffin, yeah. <laughs> maybe they're all learning the same offense. Yeah. Well, really, the unsung hero this offseason is going to be uh, Mike Greenberg, the Bucks yep. capologist, the vice president of football administration. We saw Mike on the plane today, along with the coaches. And um, he's going to be talking to the agents for Levante David and, and some of these free agents that Tampa Bay has to see what type of deals can be done. Um, I'm not sure where, you know, where, where Mike Greenberg has his investments, but if I had to make a re- recommendation, you know, Matt, it might be at Amuni. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. You know, Matt, we didn't make it to Colorado, but uh, but we're getting close. We're actually out in Indianapolis at live at the NFL Scouting Combine. And uh, whether whether you're in Indianapolis or the Tampa Bay area or anywhere across the country, Immuni Financial can help you plan ahead and stay ahead. That's what they want you to do. Give them a phone call. And w- even if you're with a current financial advisor that you might work with, uh, see what Immuni Financial can do. It's always great. Sometimes it's great to have a second opinion in the medical world. What's also uh, sw- smart and wise to do that in the financial world because why you're talking about your retirement managing your family's wealth means more to muni financial than simply allocating your assets legacy planning brokerage and advisory services retirement accounts college savings accounts insurance they can handle it all give them a call they've got over 40 years of experience in the tampa bay area and helping clients around the country since 1980 that number is 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at immuni.com you know, Scott, uh, one last player that got brought up a couple of times uh, that Light and Bowles both spoke about was outside linebacker Shaq Barrett. Now, um, obviously, for those that may not know, if you're watching this podcast, you probably do know, uh, Shaq tore his Achilles in the Thursday night game. I believe that was week eight. Week eight. Um, it was, yeah, week yeah. eight against the the Ravens. Um, he's out for – he was out for the rest of the year. As far as a timetable for when he's going to return, uh, Jason Light really wouldn't commit to anything. Um, he said he, he's on pace. He's on the right track for his rehab at the moment. He's where he should be um, at this point in time. Now, Todd Bowles was asked about the concern about Shaq coming back from Achilles' injury because it's a very serious injury. 
And we've seen players have different degrees of success when they come back from major injuries. Um, you know, OJ Howard, did he t- tear his Achilles or tear his ACL? He tore his Achilles. Yeah, he tore sure his did. Achilles. And let's face it, OJ Howard was never the same. Um, but on the flip side, Chris Godwin, torn ACL, different injury. Yep. Um, but Chris Godwin came back and got better and better as the season went on. Now, Todd Bowles' argument <laughs> was that, well, Tom Brady played until he was 45. So yep. he's not that concerned about Shaq Barrett playing at 30. But also, if I were to counter-argue that, I would say, well, Tom plays quarterback where, one, the rules are very protected towards the quarterback these days. Yes, quarterbacks still get hit. But – Tom can control that by getting rid of the ball. When you're an outside linebacker, you're getting double teamed, uh, especially when you're a perennial edge rusher like Shaq Barrett has been over the last couple of years. Um, I don't think it's going to get any easier for Shaq Barrett, and I have very low expectations for him strictly because of the injury standpoint. I am not having high expectations for Shaq. I asked Todd Bowles, I said, Todd, if I were to tell you that back in in training camp, if – you know, if you were to find out that in the 2022 season, that Vita Vea would lead your team, your nose tackle with mm. six and a half sacks, what would you think? He said, I wouldn't believe you because this is the first year that he's ever been in a three, four defense. The outside linebacker has not led the team in sacks. And of course, Shaq Barrett's uh, presence was, was missed greatly down the stretch. Joe Tron Shroinka. It's going to be a big year for him. It is. Four sacks last year, matched his rookie total. He's got to take a big leap this year. Uh, was very high on George Edwards, the, the new mm-hmm. outside linebackers coach who worked with Micah Parsons in Dallas, really helped him become that edge rusher that uh, that has led him to a couple of Pro Bowls. So we'll see. But one thing that is uh, good news for the Buccaneers, this is a pretty deep class when it comes to edge rushers. And whether they re-sign a player like Anthony Nelson and or Carl Nassib, they're going to have to probably draft another pass rusher. Even if Shaq comes back, he is 30. He's making $18 million a year. That's a lofty number, Matt. Shaq Barrett doesn't have to just come back. He needs to come back and be a double-digit pass rusher to justify those numbers. Now would be a good year just in case maybe Joe Tron Shoenka can't live up to the billing and – you know, is is a, a guy that you might have to look to replace, or maybe it's Shaq Barrett you look to have to replace. Draft another edge rusher this year early, get him in the hopper, and help that pass rush this year. Yeah, the thing that really hurt Joe Tryanchenko was after Shaq went down, Anthony Nelson was the best edge rusher that the Bucks had. I don't right. really think there was too much of an argument. Argument. So, no, we're looking at a scary situation right now where the Bucks may not get Levante David back at inside linebacker, and there's a lot of doubt and concern when it comes to um Devin White you might be getting that maybe not this season but next season you might be getting that with Shaq Barrett and Joe Tryon Shanika yeah. Shaq's coming off the serious injury and JTS hasn't really totally lived up to the hype just yet depending on who you ask so a huge year for Joe Tryon Shanika that really cannot be understated they Bucks need to get after the quarterback in a more natural way with just four pass rushers. Todd Bowles yeah. still going to blitz and throw the kitchen sink, but they can't only rely on that. They have to get way more efficient play from their edge rushers. And really it's going to start with JTS because we don't know when Shaq's uh, returning. I agree. Uh, but I know when we're returning, Matt, we're returning tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock Eastern. Yes, we will be. We're going to have uh, another show 
Tomorrow we um, talk to the defensive linemen in this year's uh, NFL yep. draft, which obviously the Bucs really only have in Vita Vea and Logan Hall, a, uh, a position of importance for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, for this year's draft. And make sure you like and subscribe to Pewter Report TV and our social media at Pewter Report. If you love the podcast, if you love the videos and clips that we put out, do us a favor, hit like and subscribe. It would help us a lot. Help us grow those numbers on our YouTube, and uh, we will keep it rolling. So until then, for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you, everybody, for watching. And we will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. I think that was a really good show. That was a great Maybe show. That was the best, best show we've ever done ever. in Indy. Yeah. Ever, but also a great road game. We're a road team. We are a road team. We appreciate you guys checking us out, and we'll be back tomorrow.